0: Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her.
1: And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning.
0: This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too.
1: During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens.
0: Thanks for listening!
1: Now, on to the episode.
0: Season 3, Episode 18, Earshot.
1: Kara, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this episode. I liked it. I think it's good. But I also think that it's misplaced and it shouldn't be where it is in the season or even in the series. I got so many flashbacks to season two and er- maybe even early season three. Mm. And that's the feeling yeah, I got from this. I see what this. you mean. Right? The it, dialogue. It's probably
0: because we, we, we've come off such a long string of just fantastic episodes. I think that... You're right. If this episode were in season two or even the beginning of season three, it wouldn't stick out so much because it would just blend in with the quality of those episodes. The fact that it's following up on the heels of consequences, doppelganger land, enemies, like we've had like a run of like four or five amazing episodes. So I don't see this as Earshot's fault. I think that if we try to look at it as a, a somewhat standalone and self-contained episode, there are some really interesting things happening in this, but I, I completely see where you're coming from. I'm there too.
1: So it took me, like I think, half the episode to really like get into it and fall in with the mood and the pacing, but then once the middle hit... It got fucking hilarious, and then I I was really enjoying it up until the end.
0: From there. Oh, trust me, I have I have thoughts <laughs> on all of that. So yeah. I suppose we should discuss this like as an episode. Do you think we should do that? Mm,
1: we shall. We don't we don't just want to talk overall <laughs> until the <laughs> end. Um, let's start. But also, I think I think we should acknowledge that this is an episode that features a school shooting. Well, the plot it, it of features one features
0: the specter of a school shooting. Yes. Yeah.
1: I think we should just address that ahead of time uh, for anyone who didn't watch the episode and only listens to us. That could be a sensitive topic for you. Uh, I'm sure we'll be bringing up Columbine at one point. Uh, so a heads up to everybody who's listening. All right. Let us begin. <laughs> we start off and this first scene is really where the problem began for me because Buffy is running through the playground at night and she trips and falls and... demon's chasing her and she snarks at it a bit and she pulls out a knife and they fight and then another demon shows up and they fight and (laughs) buffy pins one of the demons down and these demons don't have any mouths
0: they are incredibly bad like rubber suit demons like this costume is is not good
1: it's like season one Um, quality it's
0: just a stunt person in a full body like rubber suit basically um, it reminds me, and this is not going to be our last reference in this episode, it reminds me of the fish monsters from Go Fish. Yes!
1: Yes, Kara, so many times in this episode, I reference Go Fish. I was like, this is the Go Fish of season three, because it is also oddly placed at the end of the season with a lot of amazing episodes sandwiching it. <laughs> but what's hilarious about these costumes, it's not so much that like Buffy pins one of these demons down and stabs it and we're like oh what a hilarious costume it's that the other one runs away and they show it running away and it's just like and it's like the funniest run i've ever
0: seen yeah we should send it to the <laughs> betty hill music or something
1: <laughs> i'm gonna take a gif of it and i'll post it online because i don't know it cracked me up and it, well, you see it again later and it, i was dying and i wasn't supposed to be dying here this is supposed to be serious because buffy gets scratched And the demon that she killed, it's blood, it's demon blood gets like absorbs into her hand. And that can't be good.
0: So is this a metaphor for sexually transmitted infections?
1: Oh god. Yes.
0: (laughs) For sure. Is this just like an occupational hazard of being the slayer? Is you know, you might have there you gotta be aware of like D- bloodborne demonic illnesses
1: yes very true uh buffy should wear gloves while she's yeah playing. she should
0: wear the proper ppe you know we were talking about health and safety at, at the docks a few episodes ago like yeah buffy should be wearing like goggles and gloves and like gauntlets you know she's got to be suited up for this kind of stuff Because she's dealing with blood on a regular basis.
1: At least she's wearing pants here. Like, we've come a long way for Buffy from season one, where she would probably be wearing stilettos (laughs) if this was back then. Uh, But here, okay, we cut to credits. We cut to credits from here. And that threw me off.
0: I know. We've had a lot of episodes lately where the credit seeds have been like five minutes into the episode.
1: Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? So... We cut to school, and Buffy and Willow are entering the library, and they're talking about this demon that she fought the night before, and Willow says it's disquieting that the demon has no mouth. Agreed. And Buffy says, you know, that that means they have no teeth, unless they have them somewhere else. So... Yeah. I don't want to think about that. Oz and Xander are already in the library doing research, and Giles comes out, and what they're doing is they're trying to find out more information about the mayor. And I noticed this. Willow and Oz greet each other, and because they're dating, Right. But I realized in this episode right here when I was watching it, because I clearly I made a note about it. I sometimes forget that they're together because we don't see a lot of Oz in the season. We see a lot less Oz than I remember. And we see a lot less of their mm-hmm. relationship than I remember. For someone like me, who like really always loved Willow and Oz's relationship in my past rewatches. Watching this this season back to back the way that we've done. I'm not getting the same feels I used to get.
0: Firstly, I think you mean Waz. What's Waz? That must be their ship name, right? Oh. Willow and Oz. <laughs> Woz. You love Waz. Um, Ozzo. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm with you. I had a very similar observation in my notes, which is that Oz has been somewhat absent for a lot of season three. You know, he's been here and there, but the pe- he's been present consistently now for a few episodes and it feels like he's much more involved in the scoobies you know he, here he is researching with Sander and giles he, he's he's research guy now like and, and i like that I, I like that he's finally more of a part of willow's world and less of a hanger on
1: yeah i agree i agree but it we'll see more than later so we can keep talking about oz uh <laughs> So Giles is reminding us what we already know: the mayor can't be killed, and the ascension's happening on graduation day. Uh, other than that, they don't know what's going on. Like Giles, like is say- saying things that he knows that the ascension isn't, like it's not the demon Azarath, and all these things. And Xander keeps interrupting Giles during this little talk, and he's getting really annoyed with him. And so basically, they don't know what's happening. And Buffy says, "So the whole faith angel thing was for nothing." And she says she's calling back to last week's betrayal and treachery. <laughs> and Giles says, no, Angel's charade showed us that faith has changed the bad side. And the info about the Ascension will prove useful eventually when he pulls it all together. And Buffy's itching her hand in the spot where the demon blood sank in uh, during this talk. And Wesley comes in and he's so smug because he's like, apologies, I'm late. I was detained by the council or whatever.
0: So he was taking a down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wesley, just sit, call it what it is, okay?
0: <laughs> I too am detained by official council business quite often.
1: Once or twice a day, at least, hopefully. <laughs> um, Wesley snarks to Giles about having no luck in the research area. So Giles says, well, with your connections to the council, surely you'll have something to add. And Wesley is like, uh, yes, uh... And he just, like, repeats what Giles just said about the demon Azeroth. (laughs) And the Scoobies just get up mid-sentence and leave. They're like, fuck this. (laughs) Like, this guy doesn't know anything. I love
0: this. I I love it. I'm sorry. I I know that because the way Wesley changes in the future, like, some people will feel like, oh, you know, we're giving Wesley a bad rap here. But he's really, really an insufferable character right now. And I love this kind of little bit of rebellion that's going
1: on. Yeah, and Giles is equally smug because he's like, these people like me so much more. Um, (laughs) uh, But is it just me or like this scene and like the scene after it are just kind of off? Like the dialogue in this episode just doesn't feel as snappy as it usually does. it's
0: not just you. I I was the same way. I I paused the episode uh, to go make tea after the following scene. And I'm like, are we only eight minutes in? (laughs) Like it feels like it's dragging on here. Right? So... I think the issue is there is no explanation for who these rando demons are that Buffy's fighting. They're just random hellmouth demons, and they're not connected to the conversation that follows other than, you know, Buffy saying, oh, I got some blood in me. Like, and, there's, and throughout the episode, there is no explanation. Yeah. So I think that's what sits weirdly with me. I, like, I, I don't mind having enemies who are unrelated to the, the, the season story arc. But give me a little bit more backstory. You know, I feel like the writers were kind of lazy in this episode. They're just like, it's just a random demon. It's yeah. like, that's not good enough for me. I need Giles to do like a two-minute exposition where he talks about how they came here like 200 years ago <laughs> and they're looking for something in a crypt that's been there this whole time. Yeah,
1: and like a very specific crypt that we all know where it is and we'll like we'll go find whatever they're looking for. Yeah, that's what I need. I need that as well. If we go to the hallway, Buffy, Willow, Xander are talking by their lockers, and Willow is asking Buffy about Angel, like how to talk to him, and Buffy's like, seeing him is bad, and with the whole thing with Faith, dot dot dot, and Willow says that Angel only kissed Faith for the greater good, and Buffy is suggesting that it looked like a lot of fun for him, or maybe he wasn't tempted at all, like I just wish I, I, just wish I could be sure.
0: Or... When you say that, Buffy, do you mean that you thought it looked like fun? Maybe you wanted to kiss Faith.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. Buffy's like, wait a second, it's too late now. But like, maybe I should have acted on those urges I was having during Bad Girls. And Willow advises Buffy to talk to Angel. And she's been doing this for like a couple episodes now, right? (laughs) Like, just talk to him, man.
0: I mean, it worked for Willow, right? Every time in season two, when she was having some difficulties with her nascent relationship with Oz you know the advice she got was always go talk to him and it worked i mean at one point he uh had to chain himself up in front of her because he was turning into a werewolf but that's just a small detail (laughs) uh
1: yeah it's true everybody take that to heart and listen to what willow's saying if you have a problem with somebody talk to them (laughs) but here's here's what makes me mad because buffy says you you, like you think he'd tell me if i asked him and i was like buffy What is this insecurity? Okay, what is this insecurity? And we'll get more of this later too, but I just thought that like, I thought the carryover from the last episode, Enemies, where Angel made out with Faith in front of her and punched her in the face and pretended he hated her. I thought the fallout from that would be that Buffy was traumatized by seeing Angel as Angelus again. Angelus killed Jenny. Angelus stalked and tortured her friends. Angelus made her life a living hell and then she sent him to hell. That's what I thought she'd be traumatized over, but it, it it seems like what she's worried about is that Angel's attracted to Faith and would rather be with Faith and would rather have sex with Faith than Buffy because he can have sex with Faith and not Buffy. And I think that's just, I don't know, like I just wish she cared more about the other than the insecurity that's of it all.
0: That's fair. You know? I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to defend Buffy here, but I, I do see where she's coming from because she is still very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very inexperienced, so I think it makes sense that her priorities maybe aren't in the place we think they should be.
1: I agree. I totally agree with you. And saying that Buffy is young is a great reminder to me because sometimes I forget. I was like, oh yeah, they're in high school. This episode's very high school based, so it's hard to forget in this case. But I just—that's what another reason why I think this episode belonged earlier in the series, because it's just like the the insecurities that she's talking about just don't seem like they'd be hers at the moment, you know? The important thing we need to focus on in this this scene is that a jock named Hogan Martin (laughs) is walking the halls of school, as hot jocks do, and Xander is scoffing about how hot he is, (laughs) and he's like, he thinks he's so hot, and we should all be in awe of him, because he can put a ball in a net, and Hogan says, hey, Xander, as he walks by, and Xander's like, he knows my name! (laughs) So uh, Hogan is with Percy, Percy from Doppelgangerland, and they're talking about this championship game. Like the the whole thing is that the school is excited because the basketball team is going to a championship this day. Yay! Yay. I thought Percy played football.
0: (laughs) Maybe he plays both. I don't know. Maybe he's just that good.
1: Maybe he's that good, or maybe you and I just really didn't understand the sports reference from other
0: episode (laughs) nobody has written in to tell me what a fast break is well i guess they haven't heard doppelganger lines yet so (laughs)
1: like that's
0: that's my bad
1: that's that's on us that's on us but at the same time i was so confused i was like i thought they were football players but anyway it's a basketball team and uh percy remember that percy's terrified of willow but that fear (laughs) has turned into like respect and willow and percy have like a relationship like a like a nice little teacher student student-student relationship. It's nice. This
0: is the first of several scenes in which Willow is just awesome.
1: Yeah, this is a very good episode for Willow. She needed this for me, in my opinion. Percy can't study with Willow after school so they need to reschedule and Willow scolds him for not finishing the reading. He's like, I'll do it at lunch or whatever. And um, Hogan is making fun of percy he's like i don't know what you're doing to him willow i actually just heard him complete a full sentence it had a clause and everything <laughs> and i was like "Ha, oh, classic hogan <laughs> clever
0: joke as a teacher i laughed at this i do admit right um uh, so this just this just goes to show right that if you want to get a jock in line all you have to do is dress up like a slutty dominatrix uh, and throw him across a pool table. Yeah. Works every time.
1: And we need to see this. We need to know that not all jocks in the school are jerks, right? Hogan seems nice. Percy's learning to be nice. Wow. <laughs> it must be senior year. So Percy asks if Willow is going to go to the game tonight. And Willow's like, wouldn't miss it. And I'm like, "Ah, this is cute. So so apparently Willow, Oz, and Xander are going to go to a basketball game this, this night. And Buffy's surprised by this. Because she's like, oh, I didn't think you were into basketball. And Willow's like, we're just into it because the school's into it. And we want to show school pride all of a sudden for some reason. And uh, Buffy can't go because she has to patrol. So we go to Giles's office and Buffy's telling Giles that the scratch is really itchy on her hand. And Giles immediately shows her a picture of the demon in the book. Again, they don't name it. They just say, is that the demon? And uh, hmm, it can infect the host. And Buffy's like, Infect? Infect? Giles, in fact <laughs> And Giles does not seem worried about this in the slightest. Like Giles could not care less. He's
0: been dipping into Joyce's staff. <laughs>
1: Giles is really metal this morning. He had his he had his ten AM banana and his eleven AM. <laughs> smoke sesh
0: he's got his gummies
1: he's got his he took some gummies. gummies yeah he's really mellow this morning because he's literally like there, there could be a number of explanations for your hand buffy like do not bother me with this shit because it could be fabric softener that's making you like that's making you irritate and like i was like giles it's been three goddamn years on the hell mouth if buffy tells you demon blood got on her skin and it's itchy fucking take it seriously okay she might be dying. Yeah.
0: Again, that's what feels so off about this yes. episode, right? Is it's like Giles is carrying what we call the idiot ball in TV tropes land where it's like he he has to be unconcerned right now because otherwise, you know, they might figure it out too early.
1: You know, he so he minimizes Buffy's worry and he minimizes Buffy's exposure to the demon by saying don't hunt the second one tonight. And Buffy is worried that the part of the demon that is in her and could become part of her will be the outside part. (laughs) So she's worried about, you know, that she'll grow a tail or something. So in the quad, Cordelia's cheerleading. There's a pep rally going on. Did we forget that that Cordelia's on the cheerleading team?
0: I think we forgot about the cheerleading team at all.
1: Right, well, this is another... I'm sure she's referenced it a couple of times in the in this series, but definitely not this season. So I just forgot. This is another reason I'm like, this is a season two episode. Uh, the Scoobies are watching the pep rally, saying that it's lame, but they're there anyway. And Willow is reading the school paper, and the school paper journalist, his name is Freddie, and he wrote. A pep rally is for pseudo prostitutes to provoke men into a sexual frenzy, which then thwarted, it results in pointless athletic competition.
0: (laughs) Ugh, outdated attitudes about sex workers, but this is totally what an edgy high school edgelord would write in a, in a school paper.
1: It also blows my mind that Snyder would allow this to get printed.
0: I mean, maybe Snyder's having an off day. We do hear later on we get a little tiny little Snyder update. True. It sounds like he's a little distracted.
1: It's true. It's true. Um, I We will talk more about the school paper, I'm sure, co- coming up. But uh, Willow is saying, don't you notice that the school paper, and this is the first time we're hearing about the school paper, that the school paper is getting depressing. (laughs) And Oz says, I don't know, I always go straight to the obits. (laughs) And I was like, that's a really good, subtle joke. I like it a lot. I would love to read the Sunnydale High School newspaper. I really would. I'd probably work for it if I was at the high school. So... Buffy's not paying attention because she keeps like touching her head and her face and stuff because she's checking for horns she says and then she freaks out and Willow notices and they go off and talk because Willow is carrying the emotional labor of Buffy in this episode and Willow is saying she doesn't think that Giles is right like she's not going to grow demon parts and she actually says like you know what I think that Giles is totally burnt out dealing with faith and the ascension thing between you and me he isn't doing his best work (laughs) be honest willow tell us what you really think about giles and huh. buffy is worried that he's right she's like i'm gonna grow demon part and it's gonna be claws or scales and willow is worried that buffy is gonna grow a demon penis
0: <laughs> i mean honestly i i think there's people who don't have penises out there who have that kind of fantasy right like <laughs> There's probably some fad fic and some fan art from this episode is all I'm saying.
1: Oh, I don't know if I want to see Rule that fan 34. art. 34. <laughs> but Willow and Buffy look so horrified by the idea that she might grow a penis. So Xander is watching Cordelia cheer. And he's saying, well, they really are very good, like about the cheerleaders. And Oz says their spelling's improved. And this is a joke. Yes, this is a ha-ha joke. But it's unusually misogynistic for oz like this isn't something that oz would normally say about the cheerleaders you know
0: yeah
1: xander comments on their beauty the cheerleaders beauty and all these healthy Uh. young women because xander has not learned a goddamn thing he wonders why he wasted his time with cordelia xander harris is wondering why he wasted his time dating Cordelia Chase and he's like look at her she's no better than the rest of them
0: I'm face palming <laughs> right now because I, I can't I can't I,
1: I, the, again this we've moved past this with Xander not I mean we haven't gotten away from it 100% but this is straight up season one and season two Xander dialogue it is <laughs> and the, it's like he he's like why did I waste my time with Cordelia I know why they're saying this now because they're setting up this next joke that's coming immediately after but don't you fucking talk about Cordelia that way, Xander, okay? Because you broke her heart. And we all saw it. We saw what you did. Fuck you. So, Wesley is on the stairs watching the, the pep rally happen. And that's, he's saying this so that this joke lands where he's like, oh my God, he's looking at her. He's got his filthy adult Pierce Brosnan eyes all over my Cordy.
0: Like, okay, I know we just talked about the the age gap and stuff in the last episode. Wesley's not that much older than you, Xander. Um, And also, again, why is Wesley on campus and nobody's questioning this? Like, 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 here's the thing is the bar is so low. The show would just have to tell us at some point, oh, yeah, we hired a second British librarian for the school. Like, if they just gave me a flimsy excuse of why Wesley is on campus, that would be fine. He's just walking around. And and nobody's like, who's this random guy in a suit who's always walking around in the, you know, bright, sunny California weather?
1: <laughs> Using the faculty bathroom <laughs> at multiple oh, hours of the oh, day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I it, it, there's a lot of questions around that. And I also just hate that Xander is calling Cordy his. Yeah, I get the reference if they were still together, but they're not. And it's been a really long time. And I just thought that from the Zeppo on, that was Xander starting to move on. She, he's upset about Wesley and, and her for sure.
0: Right. But you have to remember that she's whipping him up into uh, like a hormonal frenzy oh, true. with her pseudo prostitute activities right now. This is really Cordelia's fault.
1: It is Cordelia's fault. And because none of these cheerleaders are going to go give all of these male students a hand job right after this pep rally, they're all going to go and fight and play sports later.
0: <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. <laughs>
1: um so so buffy is telling willow that she's scared and is worried that the demon part will change her and she's not not just the way she looks but that she couldn't be her anymore and this is funny because the cheerleaders have spelled out the name percy and willow like ignores this and is just like yeah and then she's like oh sorry i i had to show support because he's really needy but i heard you i heard what you're saying and i I would be frightened too, but I'm sure you're going to be okay. And again, an- another thing about this episode, Kara, it like fades into the next scene. It's like so, like there's so many weird transitions in this episode and cutting is really off to me. Like the editing, it makes it choppy. And then all of a sudden it's like, we fade into nighttime. <laughs> so Buffy's just walking down a random street. She just, she's just walking in streets. She's wearing a fantastic fucking coat. I love it. And actually many of Buffy's outfits in this episode are like my favorite so far of seasons one, two, and three, because I think she looks fucking fly. And a lot of them are <laughs> things that I would totally wear. So Buffy takes out a compact mirror and she's checking her face in it. And she's like, okay, still got a mouth. And then when she t- she closes the mirror, turns around and Angel <laughs> is standing behind her because he was like lurking and waiting for the perfect moment to approach and vampires don't cast reflections let's remember this everybody the angel's a vampire so he we can't see it and that's why it scared buffy and she says oh i didn't see you so i should have known that you were there and she asks him what he's doing there and because let's not forget like at first i was like that's rude buffy this is very season one for buffy to be like what are you doing here but they took a break at the end of last episode they were on a break so She's asking what he's doing and he says it's a dangerous time right now because of Faith. So he's basically watching out for her. And Buffy gets really awkward about Faith and Angel says, I just want to make sure that you're safe. And Buffy says that the fact that you're here, does that mean Faith's around? Are you keeping me safe by tracking me? Or are you tracking her? And again, I just, I can't with this jealousy aspect of this. I understand it. I know where it's coming from. I just wish the problem was bigger than this you know what I mean that's fair so Angel says I'm tracking you because something's bothering you (laughs) very astute Angel (laughs) and Buffy says that tells him about the two demons and how she's gonna get a tail or a big case of the bumpies and Angel says that he's heard of this before aspect of the demon he calls it he says he's only heard of it by rumor but it doesn't mean anything like sometimes demons exaggerate their powers And Buffy says, even if she took on the demon's parts, she spends a lot of time in the dark anyway. It's not like she'd be at the game with her friends when someone could see me and know that I have a new monster part. Like, she's feeling bad for herself. And I actually, when she said this, and like, I was just saying, I'm annoyed with Buffy a little bit because I think this is a little bit too immature for her at this point. But I felt bad for her. I think that it's sad that her friends took off to this basketball game and she can't go. And they didn't seem very sympathetic. They'd rather keep it from her than tell her straight up, like, we're going to go to this game. Uh, That's sad. And it just reminded me of something that you and I were bitching about back in Dead Man's Party, that the Scoobies, as much as they, in that episode anyway, were really self-righteous about the work that they've been doing over the summer to slay, and as much as they help Buffy in what she's doing, they can drop that at any point and go back to their normal human lives. They have the choice to do that, and their responsibility is not the one that Buffy carries. So Buffy's out here patrolling the streets, as she always does every night, and her friends usually come and help her do it. But tonight, they're like, no, no, we're going to go to a game. And that's in their right, but it's sad.
0: Yeah, I also think there's some commentary to be had here in this episode, you know, about the way Buffy's treating what's going on to her. It's kind of like a disability, you know, I, I made the STI reference earlier, so you could think of it that way. Or, you know, as the the mind reading power that she gets develops in the episode, you know, it does uh, hinder and impair her ability to function in our society. And I don't think that the episode's handling of that lens is particularly deft here Mm. you know Buffy's basically referencing what she you know what she's going through in this scene is she's basically saying you know if I have a visible uh, disability I'm going to be stigmatized which is very true for for people who have visible disabilities quite often but the way she's reacting right is you know she's an able-bodied person who's dreading this idea that she could be become that she could become disabled because she knows how our society treats disabled people and Buffy I feel like you know maybe it's because she's in it and maybe I shouldn't blame her for this but it's like step back for a moment Buffy and be like you know it's if you have a disability it's not the end of the world. But I suppose that is what a lot of able-bodied people feel like when they are confronted with that possibility.
1: Well said. And I think it's also interesting that we keep referencing Buffy's age here because this is a very high school focused episode. For the first time in a long time, this is a very youthful, I'm an 18 year old in high school episode. So I hear what you're saying and I think later when we learn that the demon part is something she can hide. It's like, it, you know, it not only does it enhance her abilities, but it's not something physical on the outside. For sure, we could look at that as them referencing disability. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So uh, Angel is getting very serious because she's down on herself and, you know, she's like, oh, sucks for me. And Angel says, I wouldn't let anything happen to you if I could help it. No matter what, I'll always be with you and I'll love you even if you're covered with slime. That's <laughs> so weird and sweet and Buffy says I liked everything until that part so I was like ah Angel you lurked you came you upset her but then you made her feel better kind so of
0: angels into goo girls <laughs> okay we're learning a lot about these fetishes right now I
1: need to go get some slime immediately <laughs> So, at the school the next day, Willow and Oz are talking to Xander about how exciting the game was. And this is another example of where I'm like, wow, Oz and Willow are sitting together on a couch and they're acting like a couple. Good for them. But I just, it can't just be me. Other people can chime in on this. But, like, did I overhype their relationship? I mean, we are a couple episodes away from the end of the season. So, we have, you know, more time to see if Willow and Oz are more of a couple later. But, like, I I, Did I overhype their relationship? I just don't feel it right now because of all the shit that's gone on. And he's been missing for so long.
0: This is what happens when you rewatch a TV show like this over and over, is you mythologize it in your brain. And you've watched it so many times that certain aspects of it, you know, get distorted based on your memories and what you focus on. So I'm totally with you. I, I think I've brought this up before about other things, right? Is it's like we forget how the seasons are actually structured and what actually goes on because of the way that we remember each season with our rewatches. So yeah, I'm, I'm discovering things like this as I watch it with you too.
1: Yeah. It's upsetting. It truly is. I mean, but mind you, we have the rest of the season to finish. So, um, I like this because we're talking about how exciting the game was last night and Xander says to Oz, yeah, for a minute there, I thought you were going to make an ex- an expression. <laughs> and Oz says, I felt one coming on. Not going to lie.
0: So I, I like this banter. Yeah. That's actually a, a good joke from Xander. And again, like we're seeing Xander and Oz have reached some kind of detente where, despite the fact that Xander cheated with Oz's girlfriend, they're getting along now. And and it's nice to see that, right? Like, you know, I, I think there is always room for that kind of forgiveness and that kind of um, repair of a relationship. So I like that.
1: I agree with you. I, I also like it. So they shush up when Buffy comes. And again, this this makes Buffy feel othered. Like it makes Buffy feel out of Like she's out of the loop or that she's not part of the group, and she calls them out. She says, "Okay, either we lost or you don't want me to feel bad that I wasn't at the game." Because they all get really quiet and they're 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 being nice by being like, you know, oh, it wasn't that great a game. You know, it's pretty dull. It was whatever. And then of course Cordelia, who's standing nearby, says, "Are you guys crazy? It was incredible! I haven't cheered so hard in my life. I still have knee marks on my back." From the pyramid.
0: As opposed to whatever else she'd have knee marks on her back from. From the
1: pony play that she likes so much.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Also, but I like that line, right? Because it does tell us something about Cordelia's position among the cheerleaders. She is not at the top of the pyramid.
1: Ooh, she used to be no longer very astute Kara. good point um and, and then this is classic cordy and cordelia is actually fucking hilarious in this episode just like in go fish and buffy says that it was a boring patrol for her the night before and xander's staring at cordelia we hear him say but his mouth doesn't move i wonder if she and wesley have kissed and buffy hears this and says it really bugs you huh cordelia and wesley kissing and xander says man you read my mind and Buffy's like, oh, <laughs> do you see the, mo- the emoji <laughs> I used to explain <laughs> her face? <laughs> He's just
0: like, huh? Yeah, it, it, Buffy's, Buffy's making some connections here.
1: <laughs> Buffy's putting also, two and two together. Also,
0: how awful it is that the first mind Buffy reads is Xander. Can you imagine if she got mind-reading powers, but she could only read the mind of Xander Harris? Like, that would, a be, that would be a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be an awful thing. I, I
1: Yeah, I, I think the glimpse—okay, the glimpses we get into Xander's mind are actually quite funny, and I and I I understand what they're making him represent in terms of the student body. I get it, and they're funny. But you're right, what a horrifying thought if you could only read his mind. So Buffy is walking the, the halls of school, and oh, she's wearing a cute little skirt and a little like TikTok, top, and like oh, I have a very similar outfit. And Buffy, mm. and uh, she she bumps into a teacher called Mr. Beach, <laughs> who has survived at Sunnydale High for a very long time because he's quite old.
0: I don't know. He could be new. Maybe he just got there like two weeks ago. Yeah, he's the new
1: computer teacher. (laughs) So she hears him talking. She hears him thinking, students, if we could just get rid of all the students. Whoa!
0: Okay, I gotta fess up here as a teacher. I do have that thought sometimes. Mm. Um, You know, I'm like, oh, man, school and teaching is great except for the students, which... That's not what I think all the time, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this profession. 90% of the time, the students are the most lovely part of this profession. But as an introvert, sometimes if I'm feeling particularly drained that day, it's nice to have a day where there's fewer expectations placed on my time and my energy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I feel what Mr. Beach is going through here.
1: Yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel that. I think that... It's, it's funny that Buffy heard those thoughts. It's funny about the thoughts that all the students in this hallway are hearing because she's hearing like, um, who's a loser now? And my pants are going to fall right off. And a girl's like, you know, I'm an idiot. Oh, whatever. And a guy is saying, "Buffy's so beautiful. I mean, look at her body." And Buffy like likes uh, this. She's like, "Oh, hello." And then he's like, "What?" I, and she like backs up. She's like, "Oh, I want to hear more of this." And then oh. the guy's like, "God, I'd love to shove her against that locker right now." And Buffy's like, "Oh, god!" And she like runs away. She goes to see Giles in the library, but she's excited about this this gift. She's saying that you know this aspect is way better than growing a tail because it's really hard to find jeans that fit anyway as in if she grew a tail she wouldn't be able to find jeans that fit and i was like buffy you're like a size negative zero you would have no problem finding jeans that fit you
0: (laughs) yeah and then you just cut a hole in them like all those mice in those (laughs) cartoon shows do
1: yeah and um you'd probably be like the 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 hulk or those werewolves from twilight where you just have clothes that fit you all over the place that you can just slide on (laughs) when you're no longer transformed so Giles says that he's not convinced that this is genuine mind reading and you're most likely projecting. <laughs> and Buffy, again, he's being flip about it. And Buffy says, when I walked in a few minutes ago, you thought, look at her shoes. If a fashion magazine told her to wear cats strapped to her feet, she would. <laughs> oh, Giles, you are snarky.
0: I mean, he's not wrong. He's not
1: wrong. He's, he's actually incredibly correct. It's just really funny. And Giles thinks that, you know, Giles thinks in his head. Where else would he think? He thinks in his head, the demons are telepathic. I should have known. That's why they didn't need
0: mouths. This this is confirmation of what you and I have been saying for a long time now, which is Giles is a petty bitch. Like The amount of things he says is just the surface, right? Underneath the surface, he has even like, sharper barbs prepared for people and he filters that yeah and he chooses we're, we're seeing giles unfiltered right now.
1: this is why we need to read his watcher diaries because that's where we're going to get the best insight into his brain and oh sorry so he's, like, he's about to tell buffy this and buffy's like yeah i already know like she says what he th- was thinking because she can hear his thoughts and she says i principal snyder has has walked like an egyptian stuck in his head
0: oh my god that would be the worst <laughs>
1: how does that song go
0: i it's not stuck in my head
1: yeah seriously I, I forget i gotta listen to it later maybe i'll put a little maybe for the first time ever we'll put a little like clip of walk like an egyptian in, this,
0: in the episode don't don't do that to people <laughs>
1: so the boys in this school are seriously disturbed she's saying and it's weird but giles think about it what I, and what i could do with it and giles says you know it is very useful you could anticipate your opponent's every move turn his plans against him and buffy says oh way better than that and her
0: expression is priceless <laughs> i love sarah michelle Geller's acting in this moment right because it's like like you said this episode is very high school and and the next scene really reinforces that
1: so hard it's like what she's excited about using her powers for is to do better in school and eavesdrop on all her classmates thoughts and again this is what like bringing it right down to high school and how buffy would rather use her slayer powers and these like supernatural gifts in a high school setting instead of the larger picture of the buffy verse i think it's it's just it just it's so weird and out of place here, because in my opinion, Buffy should have donned one of her classic incognito outfits of like leopard <laughs> pink and sungla- pink sunglasses, pink sunglasses,
0: sunglasses, yeah,
1: <laughs> and gone to City Hall and listened to the mayor and his thoughts and got a scoop on the larger storyline, you know, I think that would have been really fascinating here. But she doesn't. She goes to English class. And picks apart the brains of both her teacher and the other smart student in class that isn't Willow. And the subject of today is Othello, the Shakespeare play.
0: Well, you notice that's the only thing that they're ever studying in these English classes at Sunnydale High, right? Because last time we were in an English class last season, it was Merchant of Venice. So now it's Othello. So it's like, okay, so we're always cutting to Shakespeare. It's true.
1: Buffy is answering the question really well and she's stealing the answers from another smart girl named Nancy. I was like, poor Nancy, you know, being smart is the only thing she has and Buffy's stealing her thoughts. And Willow's thoughts are so funny because Willow thinks, Buffy did the reading? Buffy understood the reading? (laughs) Willow's also kind of a petty bitch. And Xander's thinking, when did she study? Was I supposed to study? Miss Murray is kind of hot. So Buffy hears a guy um, in the class thinking, "Look at them scrambling for the teacher's praise like pigeons for old bread crusts." Like it's <laughs> like an old man stuck in this boy's body. That's actually probably what's <laughs> what's wrong with this guy behind the scenes. <laughs> he doesn't. A- he he stays the same age, uh, but he, he's immortal.
0: He's Benjamin Butler. <laughs>
1: Exactly, but we don't get to the bottom of his dilemma. We just let him live his life. Uh, Buffy asks Willow who the guy is, and he says that's Freddie Iverson. He writes these editor those editorials for the school paper, and then she says he's sardonic. And I was like, "Is that the word you wanted, Willow?" <laughs> he's sardonic. I was like, that's "Yeah, great. no, I see it. That's weird." It.
0: Um, Willow's vocabulary is so good.
1: willow is on point this this episode for sure uh let's talk about freddie iverson for a second because i was watching this kid in this episode and i was like he's pretty cute you know i think he would have been if this actor had been like fast forwarded to our to right now i think he would have been casted as like a main character i think he's like he's got that look that like more effeminate like less macho kind of leading man look right now i think he would have been in one of those Netflix movies I don't know I was crushing on Freddie Iverson in this episode but so Buffy like takes him in and then continues to steal answers to answer the teacher's questions about Othello and um she says something so profound and she says Iago is not really a person he's the dark half of Othello himself Ooh, hot take hot take and the teacher's literally like that was in my dissertation like I'm really impressed with how smart you are and Buffy's like yeah I know (laughs) And the, the teacher goes on to talk about Iago and this is like a this is weird and I very like this is very obvious what they're doing they're she's comparing Iago Othello and Des- Desdemona's relationship together and their dynamic and how there's betrayal in there and of course Buffy is relating this to her faith and Angel situation.
0: I mean, if I were the teacher I would be impressed by that, right? Because that you're making connections between the text and your own experiences, which is that is every English teacher's dream. It's true. So I think Buffy should should tell her teacher about these connections. <laughs> yeah. oh. So my boyfriend, who's an immortal <laughs> vampire, um, he kissed somebody else who had the same powers as me, but she turned evil after killing someone. Mm,
1: and she'd be like, how does that uh, dictate uh, Iago's actions in that play? Um, maybe she goes and explains it to Angel later because we go to the mansion and Angel has cleaned. Thank God, everybody. Alert the news. Angel has cleaned his white tank top from the blood that face spilled all over it. Or he's got a uh, collection. Stephanie,
0: yeah, I was, I was about to say, I, I don't want to disappoint you or anything, but I think it's a fresh tank
1: top. <laughs> as long as it's, as long as it's on him, and we can see his arms. Uh,
0: I, I knew that would be the first thing you mark, you would remark upon in this scene. I was like, okay. Angel's in his uh, white tank top again. Steph's going to be happy.
1: Angel's in my favorite outfit of his. Buffy's in a really great outfit. What a great episode. Buffy opens (laughs) the curtain and Angel, like, almost like dusts Angel with the sunlight.
0: (laughs) What? Like, can you imagine they lived together? Like, how awkward (laughs) would that be if you forget one day, you just open the curtain and your partner just (laughs) disintegrates?
1: And again, okay, Angel and Buffy are having a communication issue right now, mostly Buffy's fault. But their relationship right now the maturity level of like I don't know if she rang the doorbell or if he heard her coming because obviously Angel's asleep just woke up from asleep because he's like rubbing his eyes he's tired um but like his annoyance (laughs) that she almost dusted him with the sun and she's like oh sorry and he's like god like what the fuck um I think that's very authentic to a real relationship where you're like where you know you're not happy and loving Debbie all the time, you have moments where you get annoyed with each other and it makes sense. So I wish that Buffy had just barged in and jumped in bed with him because he'd obviously be shirtless in bed. And that would have been really nice to see, but she just starts babbling and they sit down and she's like trying to subtly bring up faith. But Buffy is not subtle at all and just brings it up and no thoughts from Angel. Just he's a, he's a blank slate. And I said back in our second episode, the harvest that Angel's a beautiful blank slate in season one. Well, he's performing that right now. He's just like, we don't know what he's thinking. And Buffy keeps poking it. She's like, I'm not saying that Faith was so bad to have been around before the evil. And I think that she was hurting a lot. And for some people, protective type people, that they might be drawn to that. Like she's trying to get him to say something about it or to think something about it. And Angel calls her out and says... You can't get into my mind. It's like the mirror. The thoughts were there, but they create no reflection in you. And if I wasn't so in love with Angel, um, I think I'd be very prone to make a joke here. Because when he's like, you know, the thoughts aren't there because <laughs> you don't think at all. <laughs> but I'm not. So
0: to me, this is this is like Twilight, except Buffy's Edward and Angel's Bella.
1: Mm. Great connection, car. I'm very proud of you as an English, te- a former English teacher myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so Angel's saying he guessed it like that's the aspect of the demon is that she can read thoughts now and i don't know how he got to that conclusion at all he just knew i guess because angel knows things deep down
0: well it's like the glove of minigan right and and all the stuff angel just knows things he's just really smart and just like
1: okay so you're asking me about faith therefore you must be trying to read my thoughts like but you're not getting through sister because what he says is great he says I don't, you don't have to play games with me, Buffy, ever. And I was like, duh, Buffy. Angel's never been one to play your your high school games. Like he's just like straight up. And Buffy says, well, you're not exactly Joe. Here's what I'm thinking. And Angel says, so ask me. (laughs) And Buffy says, oh, but that would have made sense. (laughs) And Angel says, what do you want to know about faith? How I felt kissing her, pretending I had no soul, watching you suffer, I hated hurting you more than i could stand and buffy says you know the thing about faith i'd understand and i think she means like if you were attracted to her or something um she has this whole bad girl thing working for her i was like buffy you asked him to play along right you guys came up with this plot together Assume i assume with giles so Like, I know you can't help feeling insecure about it, but you know he was like, yes, I will play the role so that we can get information from her. So Angel has to like say, kissing her meant nothing. I don't want a bad girl. I've done that before. I've lived a long time, Buffy, and I'm past that. I've been with dozens of girls, dozens of girls like her, more. And Buffy says, hmm, this honesty stuff is fun. And Angel says, there's no comparison. In 243 years, I've loved exactly one person. And Buffy's like, that's me, right? And Angel says, next time, just ask. And then he warns Buffy to be careful with the gift because a lot of things that seem strong and good and and powerful, they can be painful. That's a great warning, Angel. And Buffy says, like, immortality. Angel says, I'm dying to get rid of that. And Buffy says, you're funny. And Angel says, I'm a funny guy. Stone faced. And uh, good for Angel. I think he handled this really well. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Buffy demonstrating a bit of her immaturity here in the relationship and her insecurities. But he like he listened and he was like, "Just ask me. Here's the truth. I don't give a shit about Faith. I've already banged girls like Faith, dozens of them, probably hundreds of lucky women just like Faith. And I just love you. I banged you once, but I don't care because I love you." <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: uh, I'm done. I'm...
1: You're done. Kara's leaving. That's it. And the episode ends here. <laughs>
0: uh, Okay, Steph, I'm going to say something. Um, Let's
1: hear
0: it. I'm kind of coming around to Bangel. Oh, oh, oh,
1: oh, oh <laughs> let it be heard far and wide. Shout it from the rooftops.
0: <laughs> Go on. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not full on like you are. Um, <laughs> but I will say that this scene really kind of demonstrates that Buffy and Angel's relationship at this point in the series is actually a pretty healthy relationship, all things considered. Um, And and definitely in comparison to some of the relationships she gets into later on in the series.
1: (laughs) Well, I think if we do, if we did Angel on Trial Part 2, like the retrial ever, um, at the end of this season, the conversation would go very differently. I think who mm. uh, hot steak, but um, I do want to say here and this, this episode, but the scene particularly puts Angel in such a lovely light in terms of being a really good boyfriend and a mature man, because I want to express my displeasure with Buffy here. And I don't like doing that because Buffy's my fucking hero. And I, I adore her, mm-hmm. but she makes mistakes just like everybody. And I'm upset with her that she went to the mansion specifically to invade Angel's privacy, to listen to what his inner thoughts are. And of course, she's excited about this gift because it allows her to probe into people's minds and who wouldn't be fascinated by that? But I want to take this opportunity to take us all the way back to season one because this episode wants us to look back in the past anyway because of its general vibe. But in Angel season one, Angel had the opportunity to read Buffy's diary because he was just standing in her, in her bedroom all day. <laughs> and he didn't. And he, he was honest and he said, I, it was there, I saw it and your mom moved it, but I didn't read it, I promise. And Buffy was acting like that was going to be a big betrayal because it would have been had he read her diary. But Buffy thinks it's okay for her to come to Angel's house and essentially read his diary as in like listen to his mind and i think that's really unfair
0: yeah i mean that i mean that just opens a whole can of worms around the idea of mind reading and consent right Mm -hmm. it's like you know if people don't know that you can read their minds and you read their minds is that a form of invasion uh, of privacy is that a form of assault these, this this kind of goes back to the whole Angel and Trial episode when we were kind of talking about vampires and Age of Consent, right? And it's like, this is the kind of thing where it's like science fiction is asking these questions, and it's hard for us to come up with good answers because it's not a possibility in the real world. But, you know, it's it's interesting to ponder these things. And I'm with you because it's dishonest. And what we're seeing here, right, is how jealousy and insecurity – can really, really mess up an otherwise healthy relationship because Angel is saying, we're good, I am good with everything. And Buffy is having a hard time accepting that, so she's deliberately fishing for reasons to be upset with Angel and dissatisfied with their relationship. And the sad truth, and I, I maybe Buffy's just too young and too inexperienced to realize this, right, but the sad truth is, Yeah, if you fish hard enough, you will find stuff that you don't want to know because we're all humans Um, and and no relationship is perfect. So, you know, Buffy is is treading, like, dangerous ground here because if she keeps poking this, it is going to blow up in her face.
1: Yeah, and I think the whole aspect of it being about faith is something that we have been bringing up about the series in general about how um it's a it's a sign of the times but it's also the writing that pit these women against women because again what Buffy should in my opinion be really upset about is Angel dipping into his dark side and the potential that that could open for him in terms of the fact that he is kind of a psychopath and he has to keep himself in check and she should be worried about that and not the fact that there's another woman in the picture but because this whole season is about pitting Buffy against Faith and putting these two powerful women against each other and juxtaposing their uh strengths and weaknesses against each other that's what this problem with Buffy and her relationship has become. It's become about another woman, when really it should be about Buffy and Angel and what they went through together last season. That would have been a juicier and more all-encompassing problem and something better for us to grasp onto and understand and relate to than the fact that Angel, who never had an affair with Faith, pretended to like her last episode and kissed her a bit. It's too shallow for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but lots going on with Buffy this episode for sure. But yeah, we we need to as we go into the next scene, which is easily the best scene in this episode. Um, <laughs> we need to laugh about what they're showing us because we do get glimpses into into the, every character's mind, and it's a wonderful yes. character moment it, for it's everybody. A lot of fun. It's it's great but we also need to remember that buffy doesn't have a right to hear these thoughts and we can't really get mad yeah. at people for having these thoughts just like when we listen when we when we watched season 1 and you told me Steph we can't really be mad at xander for having dreams and fantasies about buffy like this and we get a glimpse into it because it's it's his own right and we're privy to a window into it but we can't really say we can't really judge somebody for their inner thoughts because as long as they don't act on them. Yeah.
0: So we go to the library and we got all the Scoobies there plus Cordelia. And <laughs> I, I do like how Cordelia is hanging out. Like, I know it's because of Wesley, right? Yes. But it's ni- it's just nice. We've missed her. We've missed you, Cordelia. Um, and Buffy has apparently or, or Giles has apparently filled them all in. Somebody has filled them in because Xander's reaction is she could read our minds. Are every impulse and fantasy? Oh God! Oh God. <laughs> because yeah, Xander, you should be scared.
1: <laughs> be very
0: afraid. Um, and Cor- so, so we'll tr- we'll try to be clear as we're recapping this what people are thinking versus what they're saying, but it, it could be a little confusing at times. So Cordelia thinks to herself, "I don't see what this has to do with me," and then she says, "I don't see what this has to do with me," <laughs> which completely supports our thesis that Cordelia literally has no filter she just says what she's thinking and this is true to form she's like why is this relevant information to me it, it doesn't affect me in any way which yes i think cordelia is the one person who has nothing to fear from buffy's mind reading because her thoughts aren't that deep you know i'm not criticizing her but it's like every thought she has she says go you.
1: Yes, and it, it just goes to show that Cordelia and Buffy actually make a really good friendship match because <laughs> of this, right? And um, again, this is a great, it's this is a delicious scene in terms of character development and the writers know these characters so well because just look at their thoughts, right? The way they write their yeah. thoughts.
0: So Willow is like, oh, this is great. You enjoy all your other Slayer powers. <laughs> and Buffy says, yeah, it'll be fun did you see Nancy Doyle's face in English class today? So they're kind of snickering. Yeah. It's like high school level jokes. And Willow is about to agree, um, but instead we, we hear what she's thinking, which is um, she's hardly even human anymore. How can I be her friend now? She doesn't need me. So, you know, this is, this is kind of riffing off of um, the insecurities, speaking of insecurities, that Willow has had since Bad Girls, that Buffy is somehow transcending, you know, being human and embracing, like, her slayer powers and, and and distancing herself from Willow. So Buffy tries to reassure Willow and is like, no, no, of course I need you.
1: Yeah. And don't you think it's so interesting that Willow's L- Willow fears that? She's like, yeah, Buffy, this is great. But in her head, she's just like, she doesn't need me. Like, she's going to be more powerful yeah. now. She has another skill, another thing that's making her different from us. Therefore, I'm no longer needed.
0: So, so do you think that's part of why Willow is so... Like intensely interested in learning more about magic?
1: I do. I really do. I think that this is um such a small little reminder to us that Willow is very insecure and magic makes her feel powerful. Magic makes her feel like she belongs in this group. So her need to continue using magic and she's upset that Giles doesn't let her take it to the next level. She uses it whenever she can, whether that's to control Xander or to help Anya or to rebel or whatever she's always using the magic right and I think this fear in her thoughts is so small in writing but says so much about <sighs> Willow's insecurity with Buffy we'll being more powerful an eye on let's keep our eye on it you know who knows it might go nowhere but I think we should we should <laughs> we should watch
0: so Cordy says what are you talking about because you're so creepy right now again love the honesty yeah Giles says oh I think there must be some precedent for occurrences such as this i'll research wesley you give me a hand, research boy yes (laughs) um and then this is this is my favorite part of the scene um i know your favorite part is coming out but this is my favorite part which is oz is thinking i am my thoughts if they exist in her buffy contains everything that is me and she becomes me I cease to exist so this like really deep philosophical pondering is happening within his mind but then outwardly all he says to the rest of the group is hmm <laughs> And again it's like this is odd like we've known this about him for a long time it's nice to have that confirmed
1: uh, that he's like he's thinking so much like he's such a deep thinker but he doesn't say anything and, <laughs> and then there's Cordy, who doesn't think <laughs> just says what she's thinking oh my god it's so funny so funny and then
0: i'm guessing this is your favorite part of the scene uh xander <laughs> is going you know like 50 miles an hour in his head he's like what am i gonna do i think about sex all the time sex um help um so he's like distracting himself he's like four times five is 30 uh five times six is 32 which is not right xander um, <laughs> naked girls naked women naked buffy oh stop me <laughs> And and yeah, like it's it's gross, right? Yeah. But I think we're beyond that point in criticizing Xander yeah. for that. And and like you, like you reminded me, like you know, we can't really fault him for his thoughts in the same way we do for his actions. Buffy, of course, (laughs) is like, oh, God, Xander, is that all you think about?
1: Oh, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, Buffy. Now Buffy is actually hearing what Xander thinks. And he brought up Buffy specifically. He was looking at her and he was like, naked Buffy, obviously. But this takes me back again to earlier in the series when Xander was obsessed with Buffy and probably thought about her naked all the time. And I was like, Buffy, now that you know that Xander thinks these things about you and he's supposed to be your friend, how are you supposed to feel safe around this guy? Right, and I, I think again, they're his just his thoughts, and he's panicking. And actually, my favorite part of this is when he runs. He's like, ac- he's like, actually, bye, and he just <laughs> runs. <Push.
0: laughs> That is a sensible yes. reaction. Yes. Honestly, Xander, that was the best thing you've done so far this episode. You GTFO'd what you should have GTFO'd and it's great. <laughs> I fucking that laughed
1: I laughed out loud at this because it's not so so he runs and it's Wesley who says, Yes, Xander has just illustrated something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. made me fucking He's laugh. like,
0: chances are you're all gonna be thinking whatever you least want Buffy to hear. <laughs> And then he, he, you know, he puts on his most like British voice. He's like, it is a question of mental discipline, <laughs> which, yeah, Wesley, I'm sure you have the mental discipline. Yeah, of course. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> and Giles says he's right. And he starts explaining. And Wes, mentally disciplined Wesley is thinking, look at Cordelia. No, don't look at Cordelia. She's a student. I am bad. I am a, bad, a bad, bad man. Bad man. <laughs> and Buffy is smirking. And she's like, okay, excuse me. Wesley goes into Giles' office. So Wesley has excused himself (laughs) to do some official council business in (laughs) Giles' office. Um, And uh, Willow's like, what's it like, Buffy? And Buffy, you know, is describing it. She's like, it's weird, uh, but don't think for a second that I don't need you because I do. I think it's really sweet. She's reassuring Willow. She's like, I want to share this with you. There's all these doors opening to all these little worlds. And I can just walk right inside. (laughs) And Oz, in his brain, of course, he's like, no one else exists either. Buffy is all of us. We think therefore she is (laughs) which i fucking love that he's like he's checked out he's not paying attention to any of this other malarkey he's just he's been thinking there for the last couple of minutes this whole train of thought about buffy's mind reading and the nature of identity and existence and you're so precious Oz.
1: chef's kiss like this is perfect (laughs) like xander takes off oz is having the deepest thoughts you could ever fucking have on just like a normal wednesday morning willow's panicking (laughs) willow is in her head she's like she knows so much she knows what oz is thinking i never know that before long she'll know him better than i do so again willow's (laughs) insecurity is that buffy is going to be so powerful that not only will she not need willow anymore she will overtake willow in understanding someone who willow really cares about and it's just like wow yeah so buffy's like no don't think that and Lil's like, I-, I can't help it, Buffy. I'm sorry, I just can't. And she also runs out of the library. Yeah. Oz is like, I- if you don't need me, I'm gonna follow the redhead. So he takes off. And this is my next favorite scene uh, moment in the scene because C- yes. Cordelia is so bored, and she thinks to herself, "Whatever. I-, I wonder when I can go." And she literally says, "Whatever. Can I go?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: Huh. Cordelia don't ever change
1: uh, Cordelia you're I fucking treasure you it's so fucking funny and that's when Wesley pops his head out of Jazz's office and says uh, excuse me can you still hear me thinking in here I can go out into the hallway <laughs>
0: Oh, dear.
1: Buffy says, you know what? I've got a headache. I'm going to go. So Buffy goes out into the hallway, and she's listening to all these thoughts from people. You know, she's so hot. I hate my body. No one's ever going to love me. When will I ever get breasts? Like, all these things. And it's starting to really overwhelm her. And a uh, quick shot to Giles in, in his office with Wesley. And they have done their research in the matter of five minutes. And they realize that a man in Ecuador had also had this happen to him and he can't be contacted and Wesley's like he's dead and Jazz is like no he's in complete isolation because he cannot shut off the power
0: yeah and and this is a logical development here I would not want mind reading powers I don't want to know what people are thinking either about me or anything else mm-hmm. because that's private mm-hmm. and you know people have the strangest thoughts sometimes but also, yeah, like, it must be overwhelming if you're not able to filter it out that way. Like, there's a reason that we're not telepathic.
1: Yeah. And I love, like, later in the, in one of the next scenes, uh, Buffy describes it as it's like strangers are walking around in your head. And I really mm. loved that explanation because um, I watched this late last night, as you know, because you, you and I were, were texting each other about it. Uh, but it really struck me how invading that is like Buffy's invading their space but having all these people's thoughts in your own head must be incredibly frightening so uh for some reason Buffy has chosen to go to the busiest area of the school which is the cafeteria uh to get some mashed potatoes don't blame her love mashed potatoes she's standing next to Jonathan little man Jonathan in line and he's like are you done with the mashed potatoes (laughs) And Buffy looks at him and she hears him think, she doesn't even know I'm here. So Buffy wanders out into the middle of the, the cafeteria and she's hearing all these thoughts and the thoughts are becoming one big muddle, or like one big loud noise, basically. And then all of a sudden they all stop and she hears somebody think, this time tomorrow, I'll kill you all. And it's super spooky. Buffy drops a tray. everyone claps, which is actually very authentic to high school and just being in social places in general and she starts going up to the students she's like freaking out she's like who thought that who thought that evil thing and then she gets overwhelmed and she faints i think
0: passes out when she wakes up right she's lying on the grass outside with all the scoobies standing over her (laughs)
1: who got there and dragged her out and the rest of the student body were like oh yeah you take her
0: (laughs) yeah and and cordelia's like i told them not to move you they probably severed your spinal cord (laughs) thanks cordelia for your concern So my thought here is, why did they take her outside? Why didn't they bring her to, like, the nurse's office? Um, Maybe the school doesn't have a nurse ever since Go Fish. Yeah,
1: she got eaten. But it's like,
0: were they just like, oh, she just needs air? Like, Buffy collapsed. She should be going to a hospital.
1: No, no, we'll just bring her outside. It's not a big deal. Uh, Buffy wakes up and she says there's a killer in the cafeteria. (laughs) And Xander makes a joke about the lunch lady killing them with mulligan stew. Buffy says that someone was thinking that this time tomorrow they're going to kill us all. And she didn't recognize if the boy- the voice was a woman or a man's, or a girl or a boy. It was just full of anger and hate and pain. And it was hardly human. So she's starting to get overwhelmed again. She's getting really faint. And Giles is worried about her. And she says she needs to find the killer. Oz asks if she's sure that they meant it. And Xander says, yeah, who hasn't idly thought about taking out the whole school with a semi-automatic? And they all stare at him. And Xander's just like, I said idly. Mm. Here we go. So we're starting to get into the school shooting territory of this episode. And the episode is not about the school shooting, but it is a plot tool that they're using to bring up bigger ideas about feeling lonely and isolated, whatever. Um, This is a very serious topic, and it's still in our current social climate in terms of conversations today because these things still happen today pretty frequently especially in the states uh gun control and conversations around that in the states it's especially are also top of mind for a lot of people and i understand that this episode was filmed before columbine and it was supposed to air i think like the same time that columbine happened which i think was in the spring of 1999
0: yeah they, they delayed airing this episode in the States, uh, along with part two of the season finale. Uh, the season finale didn't air until the summer, and Earshot didn't air until the next fall. And, but it's interesting to me that they did broadcast them in other places like Canada. So <laughs> I, I guess the moral of the story is that Canadians are, are less impressionable <laughs> than Americans,
1: yeah. apparently. We can't, make, we can't draw connections, I guess. Well,
0: because <laughs> no. the thinking at the time, right, was that violence on TV is one of the reasons that people are like like kids are becoming more violent and doing things like these school shootings but to bring it back to what you were saying about xander's comment um xander i've never thought that yeah (laughs) um i would wager that most people haven't thought that have we thought about like small things you know yes but i i have never fantasized about taking a gun and, and um you know, like mowing down a bunch of people because even thinking about it now makes me incredibly uncomfortable. So I agree with you that Xander's joke here, even if it's predating the climate that we have now with school shootings, it's just so off. It's so tasteless, and and, and we don't need that. And and I think there there's nothing wrong with this show uh, using the idea of a school shooting. To, to explore, you know, discontent in high school. But I don't think they do a great job with it.
1: Yeah. And, and this joke, I just, I have to wonder why the writers put it in Xander's mouth like this, because it cheapens the seriousness of the situation to make a joke about it. To be like, yeah, we all think this. No, we don't. Right? And uh, again, I, I don't know what kind of message the show was actually trying to make about school shootings, because obviously, again, this... Episode was filmed before one of the most notorious school shootings of, of that time period.
0: Well, but I don't think this. There is a message of school shootings, right? Because it, ultimately, this is not about a school shooting. It's about something. It's about a mass murder of an entirely different sort. I think the episode thinks it's trying to be about the pain, you know, that is high school. High school is hell. But as we said at the beginning, just the way the episode starts is so off mm-hmm. that it these elements never really come together very well.
1: Yeah, so we we so you and I are taking very seriously the fact that they're making shallow jokes about this situation. And yeah. I, like, I don't blame Xander for that. I think that's the writer's fault. And Buffy says that um, this person meant it. They're going to do it. And Giles is thinking, like, she looks really tired. Willow is thinking, how horrible. Cordelia's thinking, I'm not getting any warmer because they're outside and she's cold. And Xander's thinking, I bet it was Hogan. It's like, Xander, Hogan was nice to you. So anyway, why is Hogan in this episode at all? Questions, questions, questions. All the thoughts at once are making Buffy... Uh, freak out she's holding her head she's like everyone shut up or just like don't think so loud or so much and Giles wants Buffy to go home but Buffy is like okay go back to the cafeteria make a list of all the suspects everyone who's in there we need to find the killer before lunch tomorrow she's like look at Nancy because she's smart <laughs> That's scary apparently look at the teachers like Mr. Beach who's having a bad day <laughs> and like all these things so the Scoobies the Scoobies go to go and do this and Giles is leading Buffy away and he's touching her He's, he's got his arm around her. He's being very... He's fatherly. It's not sexual. But the point is, is that the librarian is like, once again, doting on this one student and taking her off campus. Yeah. Buffy is freaking out and she's saying, I can't shut it out, Giles. It's like an invasion in my head. Like there are strangers walking around uh, in there and I can't be around people anymore and not like they're clamoring, clamoring to be around me either, even you. And... Giles is saying look I'm sorry it's hard for all of us but Wesley and I are going to look for a way to help you and he promises promises her that she'll be fine but as he's walking away uh, Buffy hears him think if this doesn't go away she'll go insane so ooh, just like Angel said be careful with this gift shit's gonna hit the fan real soon so Scooby investigation time uh this reminded me of Go Fish because there was also an investigation scene in that episode. But uh, Willow's in charge. And we love, we we know that Willow's third in command if Buffy and Giles are yes, not around. We,
0: we love boss Willow. Yeah. And I love her in this scene. This is, might be my favorite scene because I love it when Willow takes charge. This reminds me of the Dark Age where she's like telling uh, Xander and, and Angel to stop bickering and stuff, right? Because they got to help Giles. So I, I, I just really, really enjoy when Willow uh, puts people in their place because she's like, no, we got to do this, damn it.
1: Yeah, I, it's so it's so funny. They talk more about school shootings here, right? Like Xander saying, I'm having trouble with the fact that one of us is going to gun everyone down for no reason. And Cordelia says, yeah, because that never happens in American high schools. And Oz is, says it's bordering on trendy at this point. And Willow points out that they're on the Hellmouth. So Sunnydale High is the center of all evil, blah, blah, blah. And again, like, I was like, this is such a current conversation to be having 20 years ago. And uh, they're not treating it as a joke in this scene. So that's a little bit of progress, I suppose. But it's just such a sensitive topic. But I
0: mean, Oz saying, like, it's bordering on Trendy, that that does seem like a bit of a joke to me. Mm. You know, and and I, for the record, like, I think it was the correct choice to postpone airing this, given what happened with Columbine. Because... You know, despite my jokes about Canadians being less impressionable and stuff, it's like that was a a huge tragedy for, especially for Americans. So to air an episode like this that does have these kind of jokes um, contemporaneously with Columbine really would have been very insensitive. So I I think, you know, it's a good example of how it's like sometimes you have to make these decisions based on what's going on in the world.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, So Joyce is, (laughs) okay. This scene is the only part of the episode that I think pushes any sort of season-long arc along. (laughs) this is the only thing i wonder why stuff this is this is fucking gold right here so joyce is helping buffy into bed and she's like fussing over her and she's like you know you need more blankets do you want soup and all the stuff and buffy is just saying no like i'm fine can you just sit with me and joyce is like i've got laundry to do (laughs) like she doesn't want to
0: so so they've told joyce that buffy could read mine yes yes
1: and buffy is saying why are you... And then she sits, she bolts upright, and she's like, you had sex with Giles? You had sex with Giles? And Joyce is like, it was the candy. We were teenagers. <laughs> and and Buffy says, on the hood of a police car? And Joyce says, I'll be downstairs. You feel better. And she takes off. And Buffy's like, Twice? <laughs>
0: this this is yeah this Uh, is amazing i'm very surprised you didn't choose the quote you had sex with giles for the episode image for this episode because oh um, it's not too
1: late it's not too late to change it up
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm just yeah like that's the bet that's the best line i'm just like oh my god i'm changing it up
1: you've convinced me (laughs) when when this premieres you'll see that
0: quote (laughs) this is the moment right like this is the moment where we see the the danger of mind reading because that is something that no child should ever know about her
1: <laughs> And this is something that you know, band candy was a long time ago. We're like like band candy was like what like ten episodes ago, <laughs> like no more, and um like twelve episodes ago. And this secret has carried on wonderfully up until then. They nodded to it a couple times. You and I speculated that they had sex on that car here it is they had sex twice on the hood of that police car and Buffy is horrified um so we're back at the library and willow's narrowed down that list to a dozen strong suspects and she sends oz cordy and xander off to go and interview the people and before they leave cordy says i i think i should work with wesley on this and xander says you have no shame and cordelia says please like shame is something to be proud of My queen, Cordelia. My fucking queen. That's a motto right there.
0: Yes. Like we did we talked about this a little bit last episode when we were discussing the dynamics of Cordelia Wesley, right? And it's like, yeah, like good for you, Cordelia, knowing what you want. Even if we're not fully on board with it, like it it is nice to see you not holding yourself back because you think people are gonna judge you. Mm -hmm.
1: Love it. Uh interrogation time willow is interrogating jonathan and i think the the writers and joth whedon perhaps had so much fun and probably adored that scene between willow and jonathan and go fish when he admits he peed in the pool they probably loved it so much they're like we need more we need more of hard cop willow so willow is <laughs> behind, is walking around jonathan again and she's saying fantasies are fun aren't they jonathan <laughs> We all have fantasies where we're powerful, respected, where people pay attention to us. But sometimes the fantasy isn't enough, is it, Jonathan? <laughs> sometimes we have to make it so people don't ignore us, make them pay attention. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And Jonathan's like, you want me to pay attention?
0: <laughs> Poor Jonathan. I know.
1: And Oz is interviewing Hogan on the basketball court. And the, oddly enough, the basketball court is outside. Like, and I was, I think that's funny because I'm like the the swim team gets a whole nice Olympic size pool, <laughs> but the basketball team do not. And, um, he's saying that he's interviewing him for the, his personality profile for the yearbook. And the question is, do you ever feel you've created a false persona for yourself? The guy that does everything right. And how much of a strain does that put on you to maintain it? <laughs> and Hogan is like, a uh, moderate strain. Is that a good answer? I want to get this right. <laughs>
0: i love it i love this i love the question i love Oz asking the question i love how hogan takes it seriously (laughs) yeah
1: yeah 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 and um cordelia straight up just asks mr beach hey mr beach just wondering were you planning on killing a bunch of people tomorrow it's for
0: the yearbook I can't. I can't with Cordelia. I'm sorry. Like Cordelia, you are the best. You're just
1: <laughs> You're the best fucking character on this show. It is so fucking genuine to you and so funny. And Xander is interviewing and this is well, this is this okay. Xander's interviewing <sighs> three blonde girls and he's asking them about their turnoffs and they and what their idea of the perfect romantic evening is. So he- Xander, there is a murderer on the loose you're turning this into this is a serious task that you've been given and you're making it about you and trying to get a date or trying to figure out what how, how women think and again that's not xander's fault necessarily it's the writers making this a joke for him but you've already been flip about school shootings and now you're not taking this assignment seriously so just it's the, mm, the reflection on you xander mm-hmm. it, it, the bar is so low and you're not reaching it at all <laughs> Oz goes to the school newspaper room. Hey, the edit, just like the school got a swim team when we needed it. The nurse has an office when we need it. The school paper has an office. And Oz goes in there. And I was reading the articles that are framed on the walls. (laughs) They're framed on the walls. And again, how does Snyder allow this paper to exist? Because the titles are Teachers Fail Competency Exam, (laughs) Dropouts Find Happiness, and apathy on the rise. No one cares.
0: <laughs> Maybe Freddie has something on Snyder.
1: Oh shit. Well, Freddy is an old man. We've already figured out that Freddie is either a time traveler <laughs> or he's a Benjamin Button-like character. Uh, and I will add one of the sub articles, one of the subheaders on one of the article on one of the papers, was makeup artist Carmen Rodriguez, role model for young Latinas. And I was like, wow, that is a great, that's an impactful story. I want to read that. And I think that's the first reference we have to the Latin community in this entire show so far. So we're in California, right? Just remind me, are we in California?
0: I believe we are in California.
1: Mm, okay. Well, we have a bigger Asian vampire community here than we've seen <laughs> of any other kind. So Freddie's hiding under the desk. He doesn't want to talk to Oz. Oz. We cut to Buffy struggling in her room. She can hear her neighbor's thoughts. Even being alone in the house doesn't help her. She can't sleep. Uh, Wesley and Giles are doing a spell. And they don't explain this at all. But they're doing some sort of like spell. They're they're putting ingredients together. And Giles is freaking out. And he's saying, Buffy's being driven mad. We have no proof that this is going to work. And it still requires the heart of the second demon. And we have no idea how to get because we are without the Slayer. And I was like, whoa, we jumped a lot of hoops to get here because we've not been told that there's a cure. We've not been told that we need the second demon at all. But now we know why there is a second demon that sauntered off during that fight. (laughs) And um, what? Um, and Wesley says, uh, "Negative thinking doesn't solve problems." Correct, Wesley. Um, I don't like that the tone you used, but you're correct. And who is gonna fetch this demon heart? Who's gonna do it Gee, for you?
0: I, I, I don't know. Who else do they have on the bench? Who has the power and strength, and who cares about Buffy?
1: yeah Hmm. this
0: one's a stumper
1: (laughs) angel to the rescue it's obvious
0: like i don't know why giles is so freaked out i would just pick up the phone and be like so angel uh could you rip the heart out of a demon just just,
1: angel has the same phone number he had in season one (laughs) it's still listed in the phone book (laughs) the the mansion on crawford street um yeah angel angel fucking launches into superhero mode And he's got his vampire face on. He's beaten up the second demon. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's a great scene. And again, the demon runs away. And it's the fucking funniest Jaron I've ever seen. Because I don't think in the costume, the guy can really lift his arm. (laughs) So Angel like takes off after him. And we cut to Buffy who's having bad dreams. And Joyce is watching over her really worried. I guess it's the next day at school, like, I guess the Scoobies interviewed a couple people, then went home, had dinner, went to the bronze, and then in the morning started up the interviews again. (laughs) And Willow is wearing a bucket hat, I'll add, very popular back then. Uh, And she's interviewing Nancy, the smart bitch, and she's asking her if she often imagines that classmates are spying on her or acting suspiciously. And she's like, not until now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Which, honestly, that's a great response.
1: Nan- we need a little bit more Nancy. Na- I don't think we ever see Nancy again, but I really like her. Agreed. Xander is talking to Larry. Remember Larry? Oh, my God. I don't think we've seen Larry since Anne, like the first day of school, you know?
0: It, it's It's been a while. Larry, this, this little scene, this little moment, I just... Uh, I like it. It's
1: nice. It's nice. I yeah, so what wh- why we like it is because Xander's asking Larry if maybe something frustrating that he's keeping a secret would make him want to kill everybody. Uh, I don't know if that's homophobic or not, but
0: well, I mean, it's certainly problematic especially when you don't have a lot of queer characters on a show to imply that there's a connection between queerness and uh, you know, like lashing out violently or something like that. So I agree with you, like it's not great that Xander's making that assumption. But I'm willing to overlook it for what happens next.
1: True, true. So we learn that um, as Xander is asking, you know, does this resentment and unexpressed rage makes you make you want to burst out? Like maybe today at lunch? <laughs> Larry says, what secret? Being gay? I'm out. I'm so out. I've even got my grandma fixing me up with guys. Whoa. It's so nice. And okay, we missed it. We missed this whole, all year. Larry's been working on himself and coming to terms with who he is. And he came out to his friends and family and it all went well for him. And we didn't get to watch it.
0: This is the happy queer content we want writers take note. Yeah. And it's so wholesome and it's like good for you, Larry. Like all I want is for Larry to live his best gay life.
1: I know. And I I'm, I'm actually like heartbroken that we didn't get to watch this heartwarming story of a, of a scary experience that he overcame and now he's better for it. He's not a bully anymore. Look, he's even telling Xander. He's encouraging Xander to come out too. And maybe Freddy, the guy from the newspaper, will put out a coming out announcement for you. It'll be so cool. You know, something tasteful. Ugh, oh, nice little scene. Nice little scene. Um, mm-hmm. Oz is still looking for Freddy. Freddy's dodging him. Um, in the library, Cordy, Oz and Willow and Xander are all realizing that the only person they haven't talked to is freddie button <laughs> and in today's editorial freddie had wrote that the big game draws mindless brain dead mob and cordelia says did he mention the cheerleaders because <laughs> we were on <laughs> it's
0: all about you cordelia
1: i know so we're in buffy's room and joyce and giles are watching over her by the door and joyce is saying that she can't stand this and she keeps wondering if uh she's hurting buffy with her thoughts and giles says that Buffy can't even pick up individual thoughts anymore. It's just one big, loud muddle in her head. And there's a knock on the door, Car. There's a knock on the door. And they run downstairs. And who is it? It's Angel the superhero. And he's literally steaming hot in this in this scene. He's got a blanket over him, uh, a la Spike, and how he got around during the day. And he's steaming. But he has brought the demon heart. And... He brings it upstairs to Buffy's room and he sits her up and he says, I'm going to help you. And it's, he feeds her this like glowing potion (laughs) that looks like the potion from Hocus Pocus. (laughs) Haven't seen that movie? And um, we assume that he's cut up the demon heart and and put it in there. And it's got like this space alien blue glow. (laughs) And barely, Buffy barely drinks it. Sarah Michelle Gellar barely takes a swig. But it's enough for her to be laid back down. Angel kisses her on her forehead because he's... (sighs) so caring. And she starts thrashing around and he calls for Giles. This
0: is supposed to be like a, a hot romantic scene, right? Like your lover curing you mm. with the, the demon heart he cut out? With
1: his like sexy ass sweater and is <laughs> braving the sunlight to come and help her. Ooh, 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 ooh. So the Scoobies are walking across the campus now and we look up to the clock tower. There's a clock tower at the school, don't forget.
0: <laughs> right? It's just like the school didn't have a pool until it needed a pool and now suddenly there's a clock tower. Yes.
1: Uh, it's very cinematic, but Giles jonathan's up there and he has a gun no,
0: no. so i i don't think we know it's jonathan yet right because the way it's framed we just see the person's hands
1: oh shit Kate. Okay, sorry <laughs> spoiler uh but anyway someone's got a gun up there and buffy is waking up because that cure was a easy to find b easy to make c <laughs> really quick to well, work
0: easy because they had angel remember if they didn't have angel uh giles and wesley were apparently screwed
1: mm. angel is the hero of this episode i'm i'm shooting you know i'm just gonna say it here angel's my hero uh she wakes up and she does her classic angel <laughs> i love it every time i'm gonna miss it so much if that ever ends uh wesley giles and joyce are all there and buffy says she can't hear her thoughts anymore and did they find the killer And I will add that I love that Angel was just like praying by her bedside. This whole thing took place in over like 10 minutes, maybe. But he like gave her the drink. She thrashed. She stopped thrashing. He prayed. And here she is. She's better. So all the Scoobies are cornering Freddy in his editorial office. Willow's like, you can't threaten a big murder without getting us uh, pretty darn ticked. (laughs) And Freddy says, you're not here about the review. And it turns out he was just giving Oz... And his band Dingles ain't my baby a really bad review saying that they play like they have plump Polish sausages for fingers, <laughs> or taped for fin- taped to their fingers. And Oz takes this review very easily. He's literally like, "That's fair," because <laughs> huh. Oz is just in it for the music. He doesn't care if they're if they're good or popular, <laughs> but they seem to get a lot of gigs. So I don't know. The Scoobies are at a loss because the killer could be literally anyone. And Buffy comes in because she knew they were at the editorial office. And she says, we only have a few minutes until lunch because this killer is going to shoot exactly at noon, 12 o'clock p.m. Buffy is making a plan. She's like, we need to go to Snyder, tell him to evacuate the school and hope that the killer's not outside. Cordelia finds a message just lying there on the desk. And it says, by this time tomorrow, you will all know what I did. I'm sure you'll understand why I had to do it. And though death is never easy, it's the only way. And then she says, God, doesn't anyone write in to praise the cheerleaders? We are so unsung. (laughs) And uh, Cordelia, you are unsung. I'll say that. And Willow reads the note and she says, it's Jonathan. And she says, "Ugh, I had him in my grasp, slippery weasel. (laughs) So they split up and they go looking for Jonathan. And here I was kind of like, so Freddie heard all this, is aware that there's a murder plot in the school. And he's just like, All right, (laughs) like that's insane. They never, we never see Freddie again. But montage of them all breaking up and looking for Jonathan. The funniest one, the the two ones that stand out is that Xander goes into the cafeteria and says, Oh, Jell O. So again, Xander doesn't give a shit that Jonathan's about to shoot up the school. He's distracted by Jell O, just like he was distracted by women. Cordelia is aggressively turning guys around, and when they're not Jonathan, she pushes them away. It's so it's funny. Which, like
0: Cordelia, Jonathan is small. He's a small boy. So why are you like turning around all these tall guys? So
1: funny. Um, anyway, Buffy is on the quad, and she has her Slayer senses. They tingle. She looks up to the to the bell tower, the clock tower. She sees him. So she just she just runs up the ledge of the stairway swings from the roof does a backflip onto the roof parkour parkour runs across the roof and dives through the window and everybody on campus is watching
0: well and nancy in particular right she's looking at buffy doing this and then she scoffs and she says i could do that because <laughs> in the last 48 hours buffy has suddenly become her nemesis <laughs>
1: I believe Nancy. I believe that Nancy, of all people, would be able to uh, achieve that parkour at the same level as Buffy. And here's another thing: before we get into the seriousness of what Buffy and Jonathan are going to talk about, so this episode, one, like we said, is focused on high school. It's about the the you know the bad guy of the week, right? This is such a season two kind of episode. So so are these weekly problems focusing on the school students of the school still happening? But the Scoobies are so wrapped up in. The bigger storyline of the season, Faith and the, ma- the Mayor, that they don't help anymore. <laughs> They're not helping their well, individual
0: students. Well, I don't think there's a student trying to kill himself in the clock tower every single uh, week. This is probably an extreme example but, you know, yeah, maybe stuff is going under the radar or maybe it's just like at the beginning of this episode, we see Buffy fighting this random demon. Maybe there's just a bunch of things we don't see them do- doing.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's also just shows the progression from season one Buffy to season three, where uh, the storylines and the overarching um, plot of the whole season are becoming bigger and better storylines for us. Is,
0: is the boys locker room still cursed?
1: <laughs> the dreaded locker room? Yeah. Um, like, yeah, are our kids still getting killed, like, you know, virgin men still being attacked by teachers? Are, are girls going invisible here and there? We don't know. We don't know what's going on. But like, they completely ignore the student population that Buffy kept alive single handedly for two years. <laughs> so yeah, she breaks in and Jonathan has the gun loaded and he says, don't try to stop me. Buffy tells him that she's never going to go away and Jonathan... Um, says, you think I won't use this? And Buffy says, I don't know, Jonathan. And Jonathan says, stop using my name. Like we're friends. We're not friends. You all think I'm an idiot, a short idiot. And Buffy says, I don't think about you much at all. (laughs) Like, honestly, Uh, nobody here really does. Bugs you, doesn't it? That you have all this pain and feeling and nobody's really paying attention. And Jonathan says, Um, you think I want attention? And Buffy's like, no, you're up here at the clock tower with a high power rifle because you want to blend in. Giving him a little bit of snark here, but Buffy goes on to say, I understand about the pain. And Jonathan is like, yeah, because the burden of being beautiful and athletic, that's a crippler. (laughs) And so athletic that Buffy could literally jump from the school quad into this clock tower. It's a
0: fair cop. Um, (laughs) Fair enough. You know, Jonathan has a point here. Buffy is not really well placed to empathize and Honestly, I don't like the speech that Buffy gives now. I think that, unlike in Amends, where she apparently did a pretty good job talking Angel down, um, I think she's really, like, she's making this all about her.
1: Yeah, it's true. Buffy says, like, you are an idiot. She calls him an idiot. (laughs) And says, my life happens to, on occasion, suck beyond the telling of it. Like, I got it just as bad as you, Jonathan. And it's not just mine. Uh, Every single person down there is ignoring your pain because they're too busy with their own, the beautiful ones, the popular ones, the guys that pick on you, everyone. If you could hear what they were all feeling, the loneliness and the confusion, it looks quiet down there, but it's not. It's deafening. And Buffy told him, like, I can take your gun now if I wanted to. But instead, she'd rather take it like this. And she, like, offers her hand. And Jonathan gives her the gun. She disarms it. And he just said, I wanted it to all stop. And Buffy says, yeah, well, mass murder, not really a doctor recommended for this kind of pain. And again, that's another prison rape joke. And we talked about this in uh, in I Only Advise For You, right? Like they make these flip remarks about yeah. that. And Jonathan says, what are you talking about? I wouldn't ever hurt anybody. I came up here to kill myself. So look of shock on Buffy's face because the killer is still on the loose. Um, but this is a very serious topic and i agree with you cara i don't really like what buffy said because she did make it about herself so jonathan came up there to die by suicide and i don't know why he needed a semi-automatic rifle to do that uh i guess just to make it dramatic to look like he was going to do a massive shootout well but... and,
0: and also it's probably it could be just be something easier for him to obtain right mm. like if his parents have like these kinds of, of weapons i don't know how nobody explains how this happened um you know, like, I understand the writers choosing Jonathan for this because of his nature as a recurring character and, and what we've seen of him so far. But again, like, going back to this this idea of the writers using the, the specter of a school shooting, they're not doing a great job of flushing this out to the point where, I don't want to say I don't care about Jonathan's issues, but it's like, they're, they're, this is a plot device. And just like I don't like using rape as a plot device, I don't like using mental health issues I don't like using suicide or suicide ideation, suicide attempts as these plot devices to make this point Mm -hmm. about high school or about the struggles we're feeling, you know. And and yeah, it's just this whole scene, it's unsettling and uncomfortable for me, but for the wrong reasons. It does not land for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also, I think muddling this with the whole um, next scene with the whole like, oh, there was a killer. Uh, it, it, it's it's like we didn't need that actually. I wish they had focused more on Jonathan.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad they didn't make Jonathan a shooter because
1: yeah, <laughs> you know for sure, for sure. But um, like you're saying, this is weird and and doesn't sit right for the wrong reasons. So maybe if they had taken out this next plot point, they would have had more time to explore it with Jonathan. But the point is that Xander has. Followed his stomach into the kitchen and doesn't care about the school shooting. He just cares about jello. And he eats it with his hands. He just like takes a bowl and eats it with his hands like a monster. And he looks up and the lunch lady is pouring rat poison into a pot on the stove. And they just stare at each other for a really long time. And then Xander takes off, he runs out into the cafeteria and starts flipping over tables and knocking food out of people's hands, saying, Rat poison, everything's poisoned. And the lunch lady has followed him out with a butcher's knife and she wants to kill him. And he's on the ground because he slipped and she's about to stab him to death, I guess. And Buffy comes in, stops her, and the lunch lady says, Vermin, you're all vermin. You come in here and you eat and you eat filth. I'm like, I I don't know. Buffy beats her up a lot and she passes out.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like this at all. I don't like that we have a fat woman being used as a bad guy. Um at all like 100 seriously lunch ladies get so much shit like honestly it's an underpaid job and you have to deal with you know the health concerns you got to run a clean kitchen and you you know dealing with feeding these students and stuff they don't get enough appreciation so to vilify a lunch lady for this small little like misdirection gag i don't like it mm-hmm. and then something that you just you just said earlier steph really kind of got me thinking how different and possibly better would this episode have been if like you said we got rid of the mass killing plot and instead we had Buffy hear somebody clearly thinking I'm going to kill myself and then the Scoobies would have to race to find somebody who was considering dying by suicide the fact that the writers didn't go down that route I wonder if that's kind of like just a just a testament to how little as a society in these past decades, we've really put effort into helping people who feel isolated with these mental health issues. The writers think that they need to use a mass shooting as the threat in this episode, when really, like, if we suspect somebody is going to kill kill themselves, shouldn't we pull out all the stops just like the Scoobies are doing here?
1: I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, That really affected me, what you just said. Uh, Like this episode has gone on very long. We've talked a lot of, (laughs) as most of these random filler episodes do, there's so much to unpack in it. And I think you just made the most important point that we're ever going to make in an episode like this. And that's that if they had gone that other direction, how much more powerful this message would have been. And they missed it. It is what it is. But thank you yeah. for, for pointing that out. So Buffy is walking in the cutest outfit I've ever seen on her. I, I have something very similar, but I don't have that fucking skirt. And it's so fucking nice. And it, she's perfect for a Canadian winter here because she's wearing her long boots <laughs> and her sweater and her long skirt. You need to
0: get me some long boots. Man.
1: <laughs> and we need to talk about California weather. I thought it was beautiful and sunny there all the time. Uh, the two are wearing sweaters willow wears a lot of hats they're like is it cold like,
0: cordelia is like, cold yeah, yeah it, is california actually colder than it looks people from california please write in because we're very What's confused going on? i thought the the outfit buffy was wearing when she parkers up the roof i'm like isn't she a little sweaty in that oh god
1: like, i would be sweating buckets but she looks fucking cute in this up in this this is like this is like a Steph outfit right here. But Buffy is feeling better about Angel. They're talking, she's with Willow, she's talking about Angel. They feel better because they talked. Yes, Buffy, yes. And uh, he's like, we talked, then he ripped out the heart of a demon and fed it to me, and then we talked some more. (laughs) And so I guess the break's over, you guys. The quick little break between the two. Yay, they're off the break. Willow says that's how it should work. (laughs) So Willow is going to go off to the yearbook office and offer them the murderer profiles that she put together. <laughs> okay. Bye, Willow. Sure. Um, Giles is walking with Buffy now and he's saying, asking how Jonathan is. And here's another thing that goes to what you're saying, Cara. They skim over this like it's fucking nothing. Like, hey, yeah. Buffy, Buffy solved the problem. It's done. She says his parents are freaking he got suspended and he's not popular because he brought a gun to school but he's dealing he's dealing end of, end of discussion oh good right oh good oh good he's, he dealt with it it's done well
0: it's kind of like what our our anonymous hot take from the previous episode was saying about the aftermath of angel and amends right and how the show i think the show gives itself a lot of kudos for dealing with these you know after school special issues but at the same time, it's like, you've never really talked about that since then. And Jonathan does come back, but we never really talk about his mental health right. uh, since this episode. I and mean, it's just. So, ugh.
1: Giles says it's good of Buffy to check in on him. And Buffy says, I'm happy to help someone in a non slaying capacity. But what she will not do is go to prom with him. And Giles says, you know, it's, it would be good for his self esteem. And Buffy says, What am I, Saint Buffy? He's like three feet tall.
0: <laughs> oh, again, I don't like this.
1: It's so not like Buffy to be this callous. Literally, Jonathan said when he was about to shoot himself that everyone thinks he's a short idiot. And Buffy is affirming that by saying, I can't go to problem with this guy. He's a short idiot. <sighs> oh, my. So... Okay, let's end this episode. Giles is, Giles <laughs> is like, all right, you you look better. Glad you're like, you know, glad you're back to your normal self. Being rude to short people. Uh, do you feel up to training? And Buffy says, yeah, we can work out after school. You know, if you're not too busy having sex with my mother. And Giles walks into a tree. <laughs> and 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 the episode ends.
0: I do like that ending.
1: I do like the ending. It's a good way to just like, you know, quick quick little end to um what was actually. A good episode. Okay, this is a good episode. It takes us out of our element in terms of where we've been heading for the season. You know, like you said, boom, boom, boom. We get like great, great, great episodes. Then we get this one. I,
0: I don't know if it's a good episode. I am really, really torn. Yeah. I don't know. Like after we've spent this time digging into it, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, oh, I think it's good if you look at it kind of more in isolation. I'm like, I don't know though. I, I think it's, It's got some good intentions to it, but...
1: uh, It has some really great character moments.
0: That's true. It's it's, it's a hilarious episode in some ways.
1: In some ways.
0: But it misses the mark and the themes.
1: And it also, I think, is a misstep in how far the show has come from these one-off Monster of the Week, small, contained, problem episodes. So... I already said my hero, my hero's Angel, but uh, I will also give a shout out to Willow, who I think was in top form this episode. She did a really great job.
0: So initially, I thought my hero might have to be Xander because he is the one who discovered the rat poison plot. But honestly, that was an accident. (laughs) um, So I'm not going to give him too many points for that. I agree with you. Angel's got to be the hero here, not just because he brought Buffy the demon heart potion, but (laughs) just the entire way that he acts throughout this episode. He's so he's mature. But he but he doesn't treat Buffy like she's being immature, right? Because that's the other thing is he could get angry at her for being jealous, but he doesn't. He's patient with her. Uh, He does everything right in the way that he handles her insecurity. Uh, And I appreciate that. So good job, Angel.
1: I love you, Angel. And the only time that he got annoyed with her was when he she almost dusted him with the sun. Rightfully so.
0: That's fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. Well, we've got one. We've got um, two hot steaks today. The first one is from Jesse, who I will add is an avid listener, but also a really wonderful wedding videographer who lives in Australia. For anyone who's getting married and needs a videographer, I would hire her if I lived in Australia and I cannot afford to fly her to Canada for my wedding. But like fucking incredible. The underscore film underscore room on Instagram. Anyway, uh, Jessie wrote in to ask us a question, which I fucking love. And she says, are we ever going to discuss whether Buffy is sad or jealous that Angel was clearly with Drusilla while he was evil in season two? I feel like we'd she'd be more obviously hurt by this aspect, especially after Spike told Buffy about what was going on. Love this question. I've thought a lot about this too, because it would really bother me. If the guy that I had sex with for the first time that I loved so much turned evil and was having sex with this other demon all the time, it would bother me.
0: Well, it it clearly does bother Buffy because Mm -hmm. remember, we go back to Halloween. She wanted to dress up like a proper, you know, uh, 18th century lady for for Angel. And Drew kind of is that in some ways, right? So I I think it does. I, I think maybe one of the reasons why we don't talk about it right now is because Drew's not there. Uh, you know, if, if Drew were to come back and be there with Angel, then I think Buffy would be kind of going through the same kind of motions she is with Faith right now. Where, when she's like, are, are, are you sure you don't want to be with her? And Angel's like, no, she doesn't have a soul. And she's like, yeah, but isn't that kind of sexy? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, know. I agree. I think the, the exactly the way, like Angel kissed Faith and Buffy loses her mind about it. So of course it would have bothered her, but I think it helps that he didn't have a soul because obviously he would never do that with drusilla if he had been sold so absolutely Buffy's upset about that uh i'm upset about it too remember how how shocking it was for me to learn that angel has sex with other people besides buffy and i think it's also just goes to show like again that that um aspect of buffy if we were to look at it from the high school like human perspective that buffy's dating an older guy who's more experienced and the older you get and the more experienced you get I'm not saying that it, it it lessens the experiences you have with people in terms of having sex with them, because to a lot of people, sex is always going to be a big deal. But to some people, it's not. It, it's literally not. He's like, yeah, I banged that girl. I banged dozens of girls. They're all. It's whatever. It, but the the connection is what matters to Angel. And Buffy's just a little bit too young at the time to really see the difference between the two. Maybe who knows? But Buffy's got a lot of life to live before she'll come to the feeling of, hey, I banged Drusilla once. You know, it it is what it is. <laughs>
0: Our next hot steak is from Cedar. Um, this got eaten by our spam filter, but I managed to rescue it just in time for this episode. Um, and Cedar says, it's always astounded me in my many rewatches of Buffy that Jonathan only got suspended for bringing a gun to school. But at the end of season two, Snyder expelled Buffy. He seems like he would take great pleasure in expelling a student anytime he has a chance. Mm. Yeah, I, I I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, if you had a, <laughs> I feel like if you brought a gun to school, that would be expulsion or at least something in between, like suspension and expulsion. Like, there's got to be some consequences for that. Consequences. Not that I, you know, not that I, I'm here to to punish people going through mental health issues, but yeah. at the same time, it's like you got to think about the safety of students. Yeah, I. Snyder's playing favorites. Maybe maybe he like feels this kindred spirit in, in Jonathan because he's like, don't worry, Jonathan. You'll grow up and you'll go bald and you'll still be short, but you'll be a powerful <laughs> high school principal one day.
1: He sees himself in Jonathan. We love a short king. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for these hot steaks.
0: And thank you to our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tara, Molly, Teza, Alexandra, and Kyle.
1: We'll see you guys next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options.
1: We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week.
0: We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels.
1: Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy
0: underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at proxygirlspodcast@gmail.com, at gmail.com or visit our website proxygirls.ca. See you next week.
1: Bye.